Amen. Isn't it good to be able to go and come into God's throne room and just worship Him this morning? Amen. <laughs> Being able to come. That's what worship is about. To be able to come and to bring your burdens. And I know a lot of times you see folks here at the altars. And what better place to have the freedom in God's house to be able to bring your burdens and lay it up at the foot of the cross to Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Because we all go through different things during the week. And, and uh, the devil attacks all of us in different ways. And, and sometimes sometimes I, I need Jesus before Wednesday ever gets here. Amen. Even though we had a great Sunday service, I, I need Jesus before Wednesday's even here. And that, that's why I want to preach this morning a little bit on Jesus supersized me. Because sometimes life gets me down. Amen? How about y'all? Sometimes life tries to swallow you up this morning. And, and sometimes I just need that prayer, Jesus supersized me. I, I got that by going to, uh, here just last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, I went in to get a lunch, get something for Hunter, and maybe Mevlin. I was up here at the McDonald's here on 70. And I said, I just want a cheeseburger and fries and a medium Coke and give them this and this. And the very next word she says, would you like to supersize that? And I said, well, I'm not. I'm pretty hungry. And I said, no, I don't want to supersize it. So I went back and sit down, and a guy come over and sit down beside me. I was sitting over there. I was watching the TV there during the lunchtime. And I looked over there, and, man, I wish I would have got supersized. Amen. Man, he got a pile of fries. Big old box of fries. Got a, he got his coat supersized. And, and sometimes during the week and, and, and when I'm dealing with life, I need that prayer. Jesus supersized me. Amen. Even though I'm a pastor, even though I'm trying to lead this church and, and, uh, and, and my family, Lord, sometimes I need to be supersized with the distresses of life that comes my way. And I believe this is what David felt right here if you have your Bible. How many of y'all have your Bibles this morning? Raise them up. I know we got a screen or you got your phone, iPad. Hey, Jesus is on your iPad. His Word is His Word, all right? For all of y'all that says you need a letter or Bible. No, you need the Word, amen? That's what you need. And so if you've got this morning, look at Psalms 143 this morning. Psalms 143, David was in stress here. He he was having a hard time in life. He was trying to do everything God had commanded him to do. He, he was he was uh, uh, in the court of King Saul, and, and now Saul was jealous of him. And, and David is now uh, hiding in the cave because Saul's army is out trying to kill him. Saul was so jealous of the man named David, a man after God's own heart, he was jealous. And so David sitting in the cave. How many of y'all ever felt like you do? All you can do and it still seems like the devil. <laughs> He's just still attacking and it just seems like a struggle. Amen? And David was feeling this away. You know, sometimes God, I truly believe today, wants us to do more than just survive. He wants us to thrive. Amen? By being a child of God and in the walk with Him, He don't want you just to get by. Every day, just barely get by. It's a struggle every day. Sometimes we gotta we got to say, Jesus supersized me so we can resist the devil. So we can protect our family and our marriage and, and even our church body. We need to pray God supersize our church. Amen. And I'm not talking about just numbers. I'm talking about spiritually. People that know when the Spirit of the Lord is and they can discern Him when to move when the Spirit speaks. That's what we need more than anything. You need that for your family and your wife. When God speaks, do you move? Do you know what God's voice is from all the thousands of voices that you hear during the week? And so David here in Psalm 143, he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. 
Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no one is righteous. Amen? The Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one in, in the eyes of God. And he says in verse 3, For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness. Like those who have long been dead, therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. But he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray today that our souls are thirsty for you. Lord, I pray that we'll hunger. Lord, that you'll help us, give us that desire to, to hunger and thirst for your righteousness this morning. Because, Lord, you've got a standard. You have a truth set before us this morning. And, Lord, maybe because we're not having a satisfied life and, and we're struggling, maybe we're not being obedient to your word. Lord, maybe we need to repent this morning and just get things right. Lord, empty me and me so I can be more filled with you. That should be our prayer this morning. Lord, thirst for your righteousness this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. There was a story I read this week about a salesman, and this is really true in our spiritual walk. People around us should hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ by being around us. Amen. There was this there was this salesman that went on, went on to a sales job and and he and he was gone for about a week and he come back and he come into the office of his boss and he told his boss he said listen he said I I've been out there struggling this week I've been trying to make a sale and make money and make a living he said I guess that old saying you can lead a horse to the trough but you can't make him drink he said I found out this week that's true and the boss said well he said I know you had a hard time and a hard week let me give you a little bit of advice. He said, your job is not to make them drink. Your job is to make them thirst. I don't know if you got that or not. My job when I preach God's Word is not to make you drink, it's to make you more thirsty for God's righteousness. When people come and visit our church, and, and we got visitors here this morning, and they're sitting here worshiping with us, are they more thirsty when they leave here? Or are they more bored? Amen. Are they more full of the world when they leave here? When they look at our church at Pleasant Hill, are they hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God? My job is not to make you drink. That's the Holy Spirit will deal with you every time I preach the Word in, God, and in this house. And wherever I'm preaching, God just asks me to make myself available and, and be prayed up and studied up and, and try to follow the Holy Spirit. And He says, My Word, George, will not return void. And so, that's our job. But when you're on the job, are people more thirsty to be around you? Or are they, are they just thirsty to get away from you? Amen? I'm afraid some of us Christians today, when we leave church on Sunday morning, I, I pray when we're on the job, people don't want to deal with us. They don't want to deal with your negative, stinking, thinking attitude. And you say, do you go to church? Oh, yeah, man, we praise down at, at, at uh, Pleasant Hill. Put that box down, I'll be there in a minute. Amen? I mean, do they, do they know that, or do people hunger and thirst when you're out there? It's easy to, to make people hunger and thirst in God's building, amen? Man, you got the atmosphere, the band, you got the worship, and everything's just flowing with God. But what about when the lights are off? 
and we're at home and you're on your job or you're with your family in Walmart do people hunger and thirst after his righteousness because of you this morning. Amen? And, and, I, and I pray that. I want to go to that verse, Michelle. Can you go to that one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6? Blessed are those. Now, Jesus is speaking here to the to the, to the the disciples and the people of the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's, he's trying to get them. Guys, I want you all to do more than just make it day by day. I want you to enjoy your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, it, 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 he said, I want you to enjoy walking and talking and living. I want you to enjoy your church life. I want you to enjoy your marriage. I want you to enjoy your church. I want you to just enjoy life. I don't want you to walk and listen, if we can't, listen, if you can't show a difference and make people first, then, then what's inside of us? Amen. Why do we need every Sunday if we're not trying to make people first for Jesus? Listen, we're not here just to play songs and to raise hands and, and to put on a show, but it's to glorify Jesus Christ. To see Him make a change in your life. Someone in here, listen, we need more churches to be on fire. We got some dead churches. I preach in a bunch of them. I get to go in and preach. And, and when I preach, I, I mean, they look like a cow at a new gate when I get excited about Jesus. People are like, what's wrong? There's something wrong with this guy. He's excited to be in love with Jesus. And then they'll go home and say, oh, pick to it. They'll fall off the couch when we make a half-court shot or, or whatever. But when it comes to Jesus, we're crazy. But when according to the world, when you love at the world and hunger at the world, oh man, he's great. See, Jesus is speaking this on the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, guys, listen, I want you to be in love with me. I want you to be satisfied with me. I, I, I don't want you to be starving spiritually. we got a lot of people that are starving spiritually. You need to pray this morning, Jesus, supersize me. I want more of you than I've had in a long time. Just supersize me. You know what I'm facing this week. I need your spirit. I need to be full of your spirit. Man, the devil and his demons are attacking everywhere. Is anybody with me or is it just me? And and it feels like sometimes I need to just stop what I'm doing and try to stop trying to figure everything out and just let God be God. Amen. We try to be smarter than God sometimes. And, and, and David and Jesus is speaking here. He said, guys, I want you to be satisfied. I want you to hunger after everything in the world because that's not going to bring satisfaction. The bigger car doesn't do it. The bigger house. But I'm going to beat the Joneses. You know, now we're competing with the Joneses' kids. Amen? we got to have the bigger pool, the bigger this, the bigger yard. Listen, and, and all the, I've done figured it out. I live out on a farm in Royal, and I've got a little trailer, and I'm just as happy. I don't need the big house. Amen? To make my wife happy. And praise God, I'm married to one that's happy. They don't need the jewelry. And I listen, if you buy jewelry, I'm not, I'm not getting on you. Okay, now listen. It's okay to have toys, but when they take the place and you're walking with Jesus Christ, then there's something wrong. When you're struggling and working to enjoy the things of this world more than spiritual things, something's wrong in your priority list. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There it is again. His righteousness. There it is. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for what? 
righteousness this room. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having the big house and the toys and all this. Just don't let it draw you away what God designed and created you to be. Hey, I love having I got a full wheel. I got guns. I love to deer hunt. I love to fish. I've got a boat. I've got a mule. A Kawasaki mule, not a live one that he came. Every time I say mule, they're going, man, this dude, he's still riding a mule. We've got that stuff. We enjoy it. we got fishing poles. We go out. Man, hunters always got to have the greatest and the new. I tell him all the time, I said, listen, they made deer hunting equipment when I was your age 20 years ago. The deer's voice hadn't changed. They sell this new and improved hunting doe urine and buck urine and buck grunts. And then the, the buck sounded like it always has since God created it. Hey man, don't go out and spend thirty-five dollars. The one I got in my closet for twenty years ago would be good. The turkey call, it's a new improved turkey call, Dwayne. The same turkey call. Listen, a blade of grass will work if you pour. Hey man, a turkey is a turkey. Hey man, the same old, the same. But see, we 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 get the world lures us in to get the new and improved. Most of you women that wash your hair, I can go in there and look in your showers and your shampoo says, new and improved. Amen? Shampoo is shampoo. They're not agreeing with me. Lord, convict them. They're always showing the bigger platters at Red Lobster. The bigger burger. There's one out now, a pizza, that's out by uh, the bacon, three-pound bacon wrap dude, son. <laughs> Y'all seen that commercial? Man, it's got like three pounds of bacon in it. It's wrapped in bacon, covered in bacon on the bottom. In the middle, you buy it, it's bacon. And, and, and they're trying to improve the pizza. Bacon, bacon. Amen. It's also part of Cat City. Amen. But everything is new and improved in this life to try to draw us to the new and improved. And even in the church today, I see it all the time in, 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 in Christian magazines and, and things on TV, new and improved church. Listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. He's still the same Jesus. We can try all the latest fads and the newest things. And listen, I'm all about thinking out of the box and doing ministry. Listen, I love our technology. I love to be able to preach down here and read the Bible off of a screen, okay? Now, there's some churches like, we don't have I just run into somebody the other day, Tim. We don't have a screen in our church. We use the pure word of God. I don't How many Greeks you got in your church then? Are they quoting in Greek when you're preaching? God's Word is God's Word on that wall. It's on your phone, your iPad. It's the infallible, inspired Word of God, whatever it's on. Okay? Let's not go back to the dark ages. Amen? Now, I don't... Remember what David said in that verse I read? He said, I, I want to go back to the good old days. I don't know, but I had, a, I had an older man up at Alamo that was in his 90s. He's in his 90s now. And I said something about more than the good old days. He said, George, I was there in the good old days. There was nothing good about them good old days. He said, when I had to walk out of my house and walk across ice and snow barefoot to the outhouse, them aren't the good old days. Amen? 
And so we think we can go back. Listen, Jesus don't want you to go backwards in your walk with Him and try to relive what He did three, four, five, twenty years ago. He wants a new relationship with you right now. All people that are in Christ, the Bible says, are, uh, listen, all people are in Christ. All things have passed away and all things become new. You're new in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in heaven, I love I love this. Man, I'm going to throw this up one day. All these people don't, you shouldn't sing nothing but hymnals in church. The Bible says in Revelations, they sang new songs. I feel sorry for some people when they get to heaven. We get so focused on we got to sing like this, preach like this, carry the certain Bible, only King James only. You use English Standard Version, Harlem Bible, blah. They make more of a fuss on that than just get right with Jesus and He'll work all things out for your good this morning. Amen? He'll work it all out. Quit arguing over the little bitty nitpicking things that don't, them aren't heaven and hell issues. First thing we need to know is people know Jesus. And if you know Jesus this morning, go back to that verse in, 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 in that chapter five, in Matthew chapter 5. He said, bless it. That word bless means happy. How many of y'all are happy this morning? How many are happy, really happy to be in church? Amen. I, you, you need that hunger. If you're not hungry, and, and, and listen, last night if you wasn't getting ready and thinking about church today, there's something wrong. Because I can't wait. When I'm preparing God's Word, and I'm getting, man, I was ready to go Wednesday night. Listen, I, I could have preached again. We could have had church Monday night. I could have preached again after the last Sunday. When I'm preparing God's Word and His Word gets inside of me because I hunger and thirst after His righteousness and I'm preparing myself for God's Word, I cannot wait to be here with you. Some of you, I've got to get you to crack a little crack in your face, but, amen. But that word there says, bless. Matthew 5, 6 says, bless are those blessed and happy are those who hunger and thirst. Go to that uh, ten of the verses I give you on hunger and thirst. Listen, this is nothing new in the Bible. You have them? Psalm 42.1.2 To the chief people, when I get on a roll, i got to keep going. My, my soul thirsts for... Where are we go? To the chief musician, they compensate to the sons of corn. Here's my main verse. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. When's the last time your soul pants for Jesus Christ? Oh, I got saved 40 years ago. I was excited. Well, why aren't you today? If you're, a, if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, old things have passed away. That's not just a one-time passing away. Yes, you're saved. Your spirit is going to heaven. But you're made up of mind, body, and soul, and spirit. Your spirit is going to heaven when you're saved. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. You're going to live eternally with Jesus. But your, your soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. This is what Christians don't understand. We get saved, you're going to heaven. But listen, you're living in a body the rest of your life. It's a sanctification process. I don't always think good thoughts. And I'm saved. 
people think, well, you must not be saved. You just thought of a cuss word. Crazy. Look at David. He lusted after a woman on the roof. He had her husband killed. Amen? Well, David wasn't really saved. Wow, that man was a man after God's own heart. There is some really ugly saved Christians in the church today. I believe they're saved. Their spirit is going to heaven, but their mind, their will, and emotions are all messed up and are being led by their flesh and not being led by the spirit. Now, that leads me to this point. Well, Brother George, what are you trying to say? Those that hunger and thirst after God's righteousness will have their mind, will, and their emotions lined up with the will of God. It's not something that you just fix on the outside. You can, listen, guys, repentance in saying, I'm not going to do that no more. How many of y'all have fell on your knees and told God, God, I won't do that no more. But then you get up the very next week and you do the same thing right back again. Come on, you bunch of holy Baptists. You'll be at the altar here at invitation time. Boy, just committing and saying, God, Jesus, I'm going to get my life straight. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this no more. And you'll get up, and by Wednesday, you'll have that old thing stinking thing. It's because you must. It don't start from the outside. Righteousness is not about works. Righteousness is an inward work that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Righteousness means all that's good, all that's perfect, all that's holy, that's Jesus. So when you're trying to fix yourself up on the outside, all you're doing is just making a commitment. But you're not surrendering. There's a difference. We commit ourselves to death for Jesus. But when you surrender, that's a whole different answer. When you surrender, you are something is rising up on the inside and coming to the outside. Something on the inside is affecting how you walk, how your flesh on the outside. That's why his righteousness is all holy, all good. That's when Jesus cried, listen, that's God can stand to look at us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's called imputed righteousness. Amen? Romans, Romans, let's go to Romans, chapter 4. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages of sin are not counted as grace, but they're debts. You can work and try to be the best person in the world and, and help your neighbor out, feed, the, feed all of Africa. Amen? You can come up here if you want to, and you can back in the church. You can take the preacher fishing in your new bath boat. You can do all this good stuff, but it's not imputed to you righteousness. It's work, and work, grace is what imputes righteousness. You can work yourself to your to the bone to be the best person, but it's outward religion. Jesus says it starts with a relationship with me on the inside called imputed righteousness, that you are a sinner, you are nobody is righteous in this world. When God looks at us, where our sins are as a filthy rag. Amen? We're nothing but a filthy, sinful rag, according to Isaiah. So what, how, do, how do I get a new, how does God get a new view of me? 
He had to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross to make a one sin payment, atonement payment for me. And then, now it didn't, that doesn't make you, just because Jesus died, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Amen? Yes, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, they need some imputed righteousness in them. For whosoever believeth shall have eternal life. So, by faith, I have to ask Jesus, look at this, to him who does not work but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Since Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was righteous, he's perfect, he's holy, he's the standard. Amen? How many believe Jesus in his word? How many believe this is the standard? Let's go. How many believe it? Because if you don't believe it, I'm going to preach on tithing or something. Amen? This is the holy standard. This is righteousness right here. That's why we got to wake up, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen? So when Jesus died and you accepted Him as your personal Savior by faith, through the grace of Jesus, His blood covered me. His blood covered all my sin, all my old perfections. And, give, and listen, He set me for eternity through His blood. I'm covered by the blood. When God looks at me now, He looks at me through the eyes of Jesus as clean. Amen? That's why you just can't go to heaven on good works and being a good person. You've got to be covered by the blood and imputed righteousness, just as David also described the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Now it was written for this sake alone that it is imputed. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believes in Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. There it is. When you're covered by the blood, you're justified. I, I love this statement that people make. Boy, I tell you what, I tell you what, right there, I got saved and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And really, that's a false statement. You got saved and justified right there. Sanctification is an everyday process. Amen? Come on, guys. Praise God. That's good stuff. I'll amen myself. It's a, listen, sanctification is work. Righteousness is down inside of us, and we've got to work out our salvation to touch the When people are saved, they're, they're good. They're just down in there. I believe there's a, man, there's a lot of saved people in church that got a stinking, thinking attitude. They're negative. They don't want no change. Oh, don't. It's not change. Nothing in this church house. My grandma started this 57 years ago. She's in heaven. Today is the day the Lord has made. Amen? You cannot live off of your family's faith, your mom and dad's faith, the old church's faith. You've got to live off a of new, new faith today. Listen, I love where the people in this church got us to and what we're doing in the past. But the past is the past. Today, we've got to walk in newness and freshness of faith to enjoy what God did. Everybody says, well, I was to the revival 50 years ago. We had 35 saved and we baptized 50. It can happen today, my friend. 
that we've got to walk in newness and freshness with a surrendered heart and dig down deep and allow God's righteousness to come out and sanctify us so people will hunger and thirst for what we have. Amen? Because there's just some things people don't want what you got. I got one, man. Amen. Praise God. You bunch of holy Baptists. That's why we can't have a revival today. We're not willing to admit that I'm wrong. I posted something on Facebook this week, and I thought it was great. You need to swallow your pride sometimes, because it's not that, Amen? You need to swallow that pride. That's why revival can't come to the house of God. His churches are too prideful. I don't, I don't kneel up there. I don't want to... This, this is the biggest lie that the devil has put in the church when people come out and come to the altars, not in this church. I pray, God, I hope not. I hope we're getting out of this. If we're thinking like this, you need to be at the altar. Now, people will sit there in some churches on their mighty, righteous high horse, and they'll say, man, they've been, they've been in the altar the last six weeks. They must really have a lot of sin in their life. Man, I don't know what's going on with that family. Thanks for it's not about sin. It's about working out their salvation. They want a new and fresh experience of Jesus. I got saved 40 years ago, but I've got to die daily and experience the power of the resurrection every week. Not just 40 years ago at some church camp or Bible school, but Jesus, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And here's the reason why we don't attain His righteousness and we don't get renewed. Remember what I said a while ago? This is the standard. The only, that's right. But here's what humans do, and it's happening in America. It's happening all over the world. We want to dumb down God's truth so we can meet its righteousness to make us feel good. Let me give you an example. And I'll, I almost did this and made a, I wanted to play it on the video this week. I didn't have time. But up at my dad's on my old, on my old ball court where I used to play basketball, they've got a goal now, and I love this goal because I, I put on a few. Hey Amen. This is this is my vertical. I mean, I mean, this is it. I mean, that's not how I used to be able to jump up and grab hold of the rim, believe it or not. Yeah, I know more. I do good to get the net. Hey Amen. Extra supersized net. But I was up here the other day, and I took Dad's gold, it's got a little deal on it, and I, I pushed the gold up and let it down to about eight and a half, nine feet. I run, and I couldn't touch that rim, couldn't touch that rim. I said, this standard is really about to irritate me. So I pulled the standard down to eight and a half feet. I looked like a 45-year-old Michael Jordan. I mean, I mean, I slammed that baby, boom! Got that basketball and I dribble that thing around my back and walked over there and I just do it again, just run and just just slam it. Took the whole goal, man, my front chest poked out. And I thought that's all good, but you couldn't even touch the rim when the standard was at ten foot. So what you did was lowered the standard George to eight and a half foot. Now you can jump up and hang on the rim and dunk it, and make every shot. Now you the man. We do that with God's Word. We can't attain God's righteousness, His standards, the way we need to, so we lower the standards to make us feel good. 
I don't care what the Republican, Democrat, independent the government says. God's Word is infallible, holy Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's the only way you're going to experience God's righteousness. That's the only way you're going to experience revival is quit lowering the standards. Every time you lower the standard, the devil and your beliefs get a little bit looser and the devil and demons attack just a little bit more. Well, you need to quit being old-fashioned. It's a change in America. Yeah, that's a change in America. It's going to hell in a handbag. The devil and his demons love it when we do not stand up for the righteousness of God and try to attain it. We get lazy and say, well, we'll never be like Christ. He was the only perfect man. That's spiritual laziness. The only way you're going to live a satisfied and enjoy your Christian walk is to shoot and attain and hunger and thirst for His righteousness. Because if you hunger after your own standards that they're lowering to go, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll be happy for a little bit because you could don't. Amen? But you really didn't accomplish nothing because that's not the real standard. The real standard is what Jesus is setting for you this way. Amen? And so, when we're imputed righteousness in us, and that's the standard of holy living, then gospel is go out and impart. This is how churches grow. This is how the gospel gets up. This is how the kingdom grows. This is how people get touched. They want a hunger and thirst for what you have. Amen? I love being around people that's on fire for Jesus. Can't do much talk about Jesus. They're excited about Jesus. I love listening to Gary these last couple of weeks. He put a post last night on Facebook that says, Man, Saturday night, and we, we're going to break them in that Louisiana accent. Amen. Them other says two tigers are going home. This is hog country. Amen. Ask Casey Johnson. We'll call the hogs every time he's here. But then I laughed last night. He put it on Facebook here. So he says, Gary said, I'm like a child on Christmas. Saturday night is like Christmas Eve man. And I thought, where's he going with this? He said, because I can't wait to be in church at Pleasant Hill with my church family worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? If you don't have that type of hunger, my friend, something is wrong. You're either not saved, you either are you ain't. Amen? Ain't. You either are saved or you ain't saved. There's no walking the fence. You're either saved and you're backslidden. You've been Lord and standards. Of God's Word, you've been meeting your own standards, feeling good about yourself, but really, you need to repent. You see, repentance is not just saying, I won't do it again. It's more than just saying, Lord, I won't do that no more, I'm sorry. But we have to turn away from it and dig down deep. Dig down deep for some of that righteousness that's inside of us. Amen? The righteousness is there, but the world tries to cover it up. And as long as you keep setting your standards, lowering your standards, you'll never dig down deep enough to really attain God's righteousness that will bring ultimate satisfaction. Did you know that God's righteousness equals plus satisfaction equals happiness? And that's what I said a while ago. There's no house that will do that. Only Jesus is going to bring satisfaction this morning. Amen? Only Jesus. Let me go a little deeper. Baptists ain't going to make you no better. <laughs> I know a lot of Baptists. They sorry. Amen. 
Baptists don't make you better. Pentecostal assembly and Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then these things will be added to you. What is it? What's that? What's these things? Hopefully it's it's more able how to walk in everyday world and quit listening to every voice and allow your flesh to control you, but allow Christ to control you. How many other problems during the week? Your body and your voice and your mind control you more than Jesus somehow. Some of y'all want not me. Well, put your hand out here and let me hit it with a hammer. Unrighteousness will fill you all at once. Amen? See, if you got righteousness and you're walking with Christ, you're experiencing Christ. If you don't have righteousness, the opposite of righteousness is wrongness. <laughs> We're just wrong. We're walking the wrong way. And righteousness is deep down inside of us. But it's got to be pulled out. I mean, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to surprise y'all this morning. But somebody in this church building, when you get home, I put a million dollars in your backyard now, baby. Don't leave! Stop them. <laughs> but if I told y'all that there's a million dollars in your backyard, front yard, and it's on your bed, look. When you put it in your backyard and I buried a million dollars, Y'all can't wait. Boy. You see, I, I should look for something else. Like, Come on, take your kid. Hurry. I ain't shaking a hand. I ain't saying good job, great sermon, great singing. I'm not hooking nobody. We going home. Why are you going home? You going home and you going straight to the garage and you get your shovel, your pick, and you'll dig as long as you need to dig you find that million dollars, baby. You dig the whole yard up till you find it because you believe it's there. You know it's there because George Pastor said it's there. God said righteousness inside of you. Won't we dig the same way to get after it? God put righteousness down in us. Won't we leave? How come we're not so excited to get out of here and say, Lord, I want to dig down deep and find that righteousness you buried inside of me. If I told you a million dollars, y'all dig till you had blisters on your hands. Amen? Till you were slap, dab, war, sweating out. You keep it. But if I told you righteousness is inside of you this morning, we ought to have that same hunger and thirst to go after. Are you hungry and thirsty for God like you used to be? If not, there's something wrong. Are you excited? How many, was you really excited to come to church this morning? Or, well, Brother Jordan, we're really, not really, my wife made me. Well, just look at it this way. God made your wife make you feel. Amen. That'll make you feel any better. But see, if that's the only reason you're coming to church because your wife made you, you're not hungry and thirsty for my And this is what really cracks me up in some churches. See, it's, it's 8 after 12. I'd be fired in most Baptist churches right now. I done hear from every little, little lady, deacon, person, you know, you went over seven minutes today. And it cracks me up that churches think that everything before 12 is righteous, and then after that, it's all over. Amen? If we're not out by 12, God don't move. His Spirit don't move after 12. I got parents that go to a church. Boy, 
But see, we call that, but see, we say, oh yes, yeah, I want a hunger thirst. Then quit looking at the clock. Amen. Because I'm telling you what, and I know sometimes I preach long, I do. But I ain't asking forgiveness. Amen. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. Amen. But it just cracks me up. We want revival in our churches. We want revival in our family. We want God to save our marriages. Lord, put me, set me on fire. But Lord, you got to do it in 20 minutes and let's box it up. And it's got to be the. I get so lost in God's Word when I'm studying. Sometimes I tell Mevlin, I'll be here in the office sometimes studying the Word. And I'll start at 7 or 8 o'clock and I'll look up and it's 1.30. And I'm going, oh my goodness, where did the time go? Because I was in the presence. I feel like Adam walking in the coolness of the evening with Jesus. I don't know what time it is. I don't put a time on it. It's just good to be in His presence. Because I'm hungering and thirsty. When you're hungering and thirsty, you'll forget about the clock. Because listen, there's one thing you need when you hunger and thirst, and that's determination. I, I gotta, I'm going to close with this determination, but listen. A lot of us quit. I'll see people come to church in here for two or three months and they'll quit. It's because they don't. Listen, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, God's Holy Spirit gives you determination. He gives you determination to fight. To fight the devil. And all of his fiery darts is going to be trying to keep you out of the presence of God. Amen? Some of y'all won't be back next week. I'm just being honest. Well, we don't like you. Well, that might be part of it. Most of it is if you quit hunger and thirst. Amen? I see people get on fire and come in church and they're excited. Man, I can say, hey, run through that wall and go with me. Man, they're just like the whole poof. They'll bust through that wall and they're excited and in six months, they're dead as a door. They stop digging for God's right. And the devil come in and he starts just disappointing. He, he just discourages. But we need to know today is the church that God is alive and well. We don't serve a dead God. He's a resurrected Jesus. Amen. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father right now, ready to make intercession. He's your lawyer. He's your advocate this morning. Whatever's on your heart, He's sitting there saying, I love them. I died on the cross for them. I covered them in my blood. Lord, forgive them. I love Him. I know He messes up. I know He's not perfect, Lord, but I love Him and I love Him. Lord, help me get Him determination. Help me get Him determination to save His man. To save his family. To be hungry for you in church and ministry. Amen. I pray God puts a hunger and thirst in this church. I do. I pray when we walk out of here today that the Spirit of God puts a hunger and a thirst in you. Because when he does it, you can't shake it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we need to know that we're covered by your blood this morning. It's okay to come into the throne room of your grace and to bring our petitions, our burdens. Because, Lord, you're our advocate. You're our Father. You're our Abba. All we can do is cry out, Abba, Father. 
I don't know a person in here that truly has a son and a daughter that's ready to kick him to the side. I know there's no way. I don't care how bad Hunter ever messes up. I never stop loving him. I never will kick him to the side. I will always love him with a fatherly love. I know his mama will love him with a mother. He'll never mess up too much for us not to love him. But did you know today that your Heavenly Father, Abba, God, the Father, looks at you the same way? He loves you. He's just waiting for you to say, supersize me, Jesus. I've had a bad week. I'm going through marriage problems. Lord, I, you know how teens are. Lord, I have some job problems. i got some marriage difficulties. Lord, supersize me today. Let me get down deep and hunger and thirst of your righteous Lord because I want to be satisfied when I leave you. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know your heart, but Jesus knows your heart. Right where you're sitting, you can put all the religious activities and religious front on. You can talk the Christian lingo. But Jesus knows what you look like in a relationship with Him. He knows if you're hungering and thirsting for Him. So won't you put all the chips on the table this morning? You've been trying to fix yourself and fix things yourself. You've been trying to get happy and not mind things and compete with other people in the best job. And all of that has brought to the field. Won't you come and try to eat? Won't you come and hunger and thirst and Thank you.